It's Daily Thunder, thundering out the truth of Jesus Christ live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more about our discipleship programs or to support this podcast, visit ellerslie.com. Now, here's today's special guest, Sandy McConaughey. Today, I'd like to visit with you about another one of the Psalms of Ascent, the Songs of Ascent, and it's Psalm 121. I know this is not in the order that they come. I'm the, w- I'm the reason for that. I kind of messed it up. Elijah took my place about three weeks ago, and now, now it's my turn. So this psalm, this, I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, review about the Songs of Ascent. Maybe others have been doing the same each Saturday, but the Psalms of Ascent were those those things that the Israelite pilgrims meditated on as they were going up to Jerusalem. That is what (coughs) is commonly thought that these psalms were for. And so, as they were going up to Jerusalem, and it says in Exodus 34, 23 through 24, three times a year, all your males are to appear before the Lord God. (coughs) the God of Israel. For I will drive out nations before you and enlarge your borders and no man shall covet your land when you go up three times a year to appear before the Lord your God. And so this is what they were doing, going up to Jerusalem to appear before the Lord their God. And in In this verse, you see that it was the men who went up, and so that would mean that they were leaving their children and their wives, and maybe they took them with them, maybe they didn't. I don't know exactly what their customs were then, but (coughs) as they went up, they were in need of what we find in Psalm 121. So I want to read that to you. And they were going up to appear before the Lord their God to worship, to bring sacrifices and offerings, thankfulness and praise and worship unto their God. This is what God wanted them to do. And so this is one of the songs that they may have been thinking about and singing as they went forward. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. What a comfort that would be as they ascended to the place of worship. And back in that day, the place of true worship was at the temple in Jerusalem. And so... They had a journey that many times was through 
the land where there were many enemies. There may be wild animals and robbers and all manner of enemies that could um, attack and distract and cause harm. And so as they went up to worship, I imagine that all these Psalms of Ascent that focus on dis different aspects of what they desired of the Lord were, were really present with them. These are like their prayers and their meditations on God. And we live in our life now. Just think about it. What if our whole aim in life, but you know how back in the time of the Old Testament, things were, they seemed to be physically described in the Old Testament what is spiritually understood in our lives and our walk with Jesus in the New Testament. And so in the Old Testament, you have them physically walking and going up to the place of worship. You have a physical temple. You have a, a physical promised land that they are in. They have physical em enemies. And so what what we see in this physical realm in the Old Testament, we can actually apply in a way that we see in our day and age. It's not so much physical uh, things that we deal with as it is spiritual. We dwell in a spiritual promised land. Our enemies are many times principalities and powers. And we are actually on our way ascending higher in, deeper, farther in, higher up to our place of true worship. As we ascend unto a place of true worship in our life, we are being sanctified. The Lord is seeing to the needs that we have for the journey, for, for this seeking and this pursuing of our Lord Jesus. In John 4, 30, 23 and 24, it says, The hour is coming. And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so whereas the Israelites who sang these songs of ascent were going to a place, a, a physical place to worship God, we now don't have a place. We worship in spirit and in truth. And that place is a place of the heart. It is a place of sincerity. It is a place in Christ. It, it isn't a, a physical place, but it is a place. And then we are headed there that we might be those true worshipers on our way not putting our hand to that plow and then looking back. In Luke 9.62, it says, But Jesus said to him, No one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. And so you apply that to the Israelites ascending the, the mount and worshiping God on their way to worship God and offer sacrifices? What if they'd stumbled in the beginning and, and gotten disheartened or discouraged along the way somewhere, found it too hard? 
What if they stumbled in the beginning? Then they might be tempted to look back and go, man, three times a year and it's this hard and I'm worried about my wife and my kids and what about this, what about that? They didn't do that. They went to Jerusalem singing, singing on their way to a place of true worship. And we can see how, what, what would it be like if we, if everything else we could just kind of like in our lives think about what distracts you what carries you away off the path to that place of true worship? What if we could just take that like a veil and, and take it away so that we could see clearly where we're going, what we're here for, what our purpose is? What if we could just remove all that takes up our time, all that is a distraction of focus off of our Lord Jesus, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. The hills are on earth. Or another version says, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. The mountains are earthly. They're not high enough. My help, from where does it come? Not the hills, not the mountains. My help comes from the Lord. And as I look away from earthliness and earthly involvements and earthly pursuits, I see Jesus. I can see him more clearly. I want to speak to you mostly devotionally this morning rather than teaching you like a teacher might about the, this psalm. And so you're going to hear a lot of devotional things. But first of all, I'm going to walk through what this points to for a bit. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. This is significant. This, my helper, is the one who made the heavens and the earth. That line is in the word of God all the time. The God who made the heavens and the earth. The God who made the heavens and the earth is the Almighty. He is the creator. He, he is not the God who some group of people thought up to worship or tried to appease. He is not a pantheon of gods who can help us with our crops if we do and say and sacrifice the right things or have uh, little idols in the corner that we go to to seek help. No, this is the God who made the heavens and the earth. And I love it that throughout the word of God, it is not an insignificant phrase, the God who made the heavens and the earth. He is almighty, all-powerful, all he knows all. He's all-present, all-powerful, all-knowing because he made everything. So what do we need as our helper? I want to talk to you about him being our helper. My help comes from the Lord. He is our helper. Help with what? 
What do we need help with? We need help in order to even be a true worshiper, don't we? We need help with practically everything. We have nothing but what we've been given. And God reveals himself as our helper. I have a meditation on one of the names of God, and that name is El Shaddai. And El Shaddai means the Lord God Almighty. Basically, that's what the name means. And as the Lord God Almighty, he is available to be our helper. And it's really interesting that whereas Elohim is the God who creates, in El Shaddai, the God, our God Almighty, we see that, that El Shaddai is able to compel nature to do what is contrary to itself. Here's God, create the creator, and yet God, the almighty God, can compel nature to do what it doesn't normally do, what is contrary to nature. Think, think about the Red Sea, for example. Our God Almighty is our helper over every obstacle that we could possibly face. El Shaddai, God Almighty. He is able to subdue all things unto himself and to help us with every obstacle. He can part a Red Sea. He can cause the sun to stand still. He can fight our enemies so that they all fight against each other and kill themselves and we don't have to fight them. He can do this. He is our God. He is our helper. He is abundantly almighty to nourish us, to sustain us in our life. He is mighty to bless. He has great power. He has great strength. This is all part of this name, El Shaddai. Our Lord God Almighty, from where does my help come? It comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth and who is Almighty God. (coughs) He is all-powerful. And we see this in the many miracles and the way God works in the Bible. Does he change? Has he changed? No, not one bit. He is still this. He is all of this help. And then in the next verse or two, he will not allow your foot to be moved. He keeps you, he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. So, With confidence, we can lift our eyes up unto him. He is the source of all that we have need of. He steadies us. I'm going to call this in verse 3 and 4. He is our steadier. He steadies our foot. You know, if you're climbing an incline that's rocky or has loose things uh, on the path or obstacles to climb around, or you have to have a sure, steady foot. Like sometimes I have a problem because my ankles are a bit weak and so I can wobble. And, and it creates an unsteady uh, progress. <laughs> I 
and a lot of times my family has to look over and grab me or ask me if I need a hand or if I'm okay, because if I, you take me on a hike, you have to pay a lot more attention to me <laughs> than someone who is younger. And that is what our God does with us. He steadies us. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you is not going to fall asleep, stop watching, stop paying attention to you. You can have confidence that he who is always watching over you and caring for you. The Lord's people do have enemies. Left to ourselves, we would be overtaken. We would slip. We would fall away. We would stray from the path because the enemies that of our soul are powerful. They're distracting unless the Lord would surround us and be our place of steadiness and confidence. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. That's Psalm 34, verse 15. If we begin to falter, we can cry out to the Lord, and his ear is quick to hear and to steady us if we will but look unto Jesus. The next uh, thought in this psalm is verses 5 and 6. The Lord is your keeper. So we've gone through helper, steadier, and he's always watchful in that steadying. And now we're going to focus on the fact that he is our keeper and our protector. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade upon your right hand. The sun shall not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. Jesus prayed a prayer for us. It's in John chapter 17. I am no longer in the world, he prayed to his father. And yet, they are in the world. And I come to you. Who is they? They are in the world. This would be the disciples that Jesus is praying for. And he also says in this prayer, I do not pray for them alone, but for all those who believe. They went into all the world and brought the witness of Jesus. And now it's all the way down to us who have received these testimonies and the word of God and believe. This prayer is also for us. I'm no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world, and I come to you, Father. Holy Father, keep them in your name. Here is Jesus praying to the Father to be our keeper. This keeper, protector, is something that Jesus has prayed for us. Keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. We have been prayed for by Jesus. I love that thought. Jesus has prayed for me. My God loves me. He is my keeper. He is my protector. There is nothing too hot, too cold, or anything in between that his, his shade, his protection, his comforts will not help me with. 
And as I stand before you today, I have to admit I'm not perfect in looking unto Jesus. There have been many times this past week where I have faltered and I have had to cling to the Lord with all my heart. Go to him. And it was almost, uh, it was sort of with trepidation that I got up here to talk about this with you this morning because I feel like that if I am to do this kind of meditation with you, it needs to be as unto the Lord and it has to come from someone who is living in it, not just talking about it. And so <coughs> I've been through a lot of, I, I'll call it spiritual uh, noise throughout this week, trying to take me down in certain areas of my life, and yet it is so sweet to look unto Jesus. And no matter how many times you mess up, he is there to protect, to forgive, to steady, to help you to be faithful. We are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. First Peter 1.5 We are kept by the power of God. He is our keeper. To be kept means to be guarded and protected by a military guard either to prevent a hostile invasion or to keep the inhabitants of a place that's being besieged from running away. Did you hear that? This is the kind of being kept that Jesus does for us. He helps us so that we won't run away when we're being attacked or besieged. We run to him. We are protected by his grand host of angels who have been sent out to minister to the saints. We are either kept from a hostile invasion, or if it's, it's invading, then we can be turning to Jesus instead of running away. I'm so thankful for such a provision. Do you ever feel like running away? It's, it's tempting sometimes, isn't it? But where do we go? If we're going to run away, where do we go? It's like the disciples in John 6 said, Jesus, when, he's, when Jesus asked them, do you also want to go away? And they said, where else can we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. There's nowhere to run away to. Run to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. The Lord, in verse 7, shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. He is our preserver. This has a lot of joy in this verse that God would preserve us from all evil? This, this whole life that we have on the face of this earth, we believe as Christians, is a cosmic war between good and evil. 
What if we could live as if we are constantly on the Lord's side in this battle? Knowing that our commander would be our helper, our keeper, our steadier. He would watch over us. He would not let our foot slip. He would preserve us from the other side, which is all evil. What if we actually were so one with the Lord that we had this perspective on how we are living our life and what for? To bring glory and honor and praise and victory, being more than conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ, who loves us, who is constant. What joy. Our souls are not going to be harmed in this battle as long as we do what we have, have been, uh, it's been revealed to us, what we have, what we do, who we are, what we believe, all the promises, everything. It's been revealed to us. And we have it in our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no reason why our souls need to be exposed to evil in such a way that we're overcome by the principalities and powers that would take us down. We have everything that we have need of to be preserved from evil in Jesus. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forever. This preservation is eternal. It doesn't go away. If we, on our earthly journey, will, will you remember that word, Gregoreo? Gregoreo? That, that, Gregoreo? <laughs> that uh, Eric was talking about not long ago. It means to watch, to give strict attention to one's position, to be cautious regarding your foe, to stay awake and alert, lest through passivity and slumber calamity suddenly springs up and brings destruction. This is our job. We have to have some of this. Gregorio. We have Jesus who watches, who stays awake and alert, and yet we need to do the same in response to all that he has done, don't we? We can't just let go and let God. We have some responsibility to come under his care, to remain in a place of strong faith in him so we are not overtaken. This is an ascent unto a place of true worship with our God. Not in our own strength and not just leaving him to do it all. It is with him, one with him. So I'm going to switch gears. What are we tempted to lift our eyes up unto in order to make our future, make our life happen, in order to find answer to what we perceive as our needs in life? What are some of the things we're tempted to look unto? I came up with a list. You might be able to add to it from your own uh, things that you are tempted to look to. 
maybe we look to our own emotions, how we feel about things. Well, I feel like I should do this, or like I want to do that, or like this would fulfill me. It's emotional. We look to our emotions to motivate us, to lift ourselves up by our emotions. Maybe it's our gifts and talents. Maybe we have some really strong gifts and talents that we think can help us get to a place where we now have a really amazing reputation, whether it's in the body of Christ, in the world, amongst our friends, or whatever. We look to our gifts and talents to help us to get by and get through life with meaning. Maybe we look in our own pockets to meet some of the challenges of life, some of the uh, trials and maybe to, in order to get over our fears, we look to ourselves. what can I do to get over this? Or maybe we look to uh, some kind of an addiction, substances or people or things like that, as, opposing, as opposed to finding what we have need of in Jesus. And through, and I don't want to exclude the body of Christ here because Jesus works through the body of Christ to help us, all of us, with our needs. Do you look to your own fleshly dreams to get you through life? Your desires? I want to make this happen and I can do it. Do we look to our family? Our job, our finances, our own clever ingenuity and creativity? Do we look to our friends, to popularity, to reputation, personality? The list goes on and on. What do we look to to find meaning in life? Consider what the Israelites were thinking about on their way to worship. What was their aim? Were they getting distracted and looking unto these things? No, they're singing. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. Where does my help come from? Does my help come from any of this earthly, earthboundness? What if we were to truly lift our eyes up unto Jesus and not unto the things of this earth and that are uh, meaningful to the earth dwellers and those who are not sojourners and pilgrims. Peter said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. You who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, and in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. 
And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. We look unto Jesus, though we have not seen him. And though we see him not, we see him with the eyes of faith. Jesus said unto Thomas, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. We look unto Jesus, though we have not seen him. It is with the eyes of faith and a heart of love that we look to Jesus. With the eyes of our heart, our spirit, made alive, full of faith, eyes open to be able to understand because Jesus does that for us. And so to, to wrap this up, I'm gonna, I want you to just listen really carefully. To, these are a little old-fashioned. I gleaned a few meditations from a pamphlet that is put out by Banner Truth Trust. It's called Looking Unto Jesus. And so I just want to read, uh, I've, I've changed the wording on, on a few of them to make them a little more understandable. But these things are so precious, I love this. This is one of my most favoritest pamphlets that I have owned. It's one of about five little pamphlets that I own that I keep going back to throughout the years over and over and over. I highly recommend that you get a copy of it. It's easy to find. Looking Unto Jesus is what it's called, and it's by Theodore M-O-N-O-D. Theodore Monod. Let us look unto Jesus. Look unto him as resurrected. He is alive. He is not dead. He's risen, and he has given us new life, a life that is his righteousness. And this righteousness permits us, though we are unworthy, to draw near with boldness in his name to him who is our Father, and our God. We draw near. Let us look unto Jesus, revealed by the Holy Spirit, to find in constant communion with him the cleansing of our sin-stained hearts, the illumination of our darkened spirits, the transformation of our rebel wills, enabled by him to triumph over all attacks of the world and of the evil one, resisting their violence by Jesus our strength and overcoming their subtlety by Jesus our wisdom, upheld by the sympathy of Jesus who was spared no temptation and by the help of Jesus who yielded to none. Looking unto Jesus to receive from him the task and the cross for each day with the grace which is sufficient to carry the cross and to accomplish the task. The grace that enables us to be patient with his patience, active with his activity, 
loving with his love, never asking, what am I able for? But rather, what is he not able for? And waiting for his strength, which is made perfect in our weakness. 1 Corinthians 12, 9. Looking unto Jesus and not at ourselves, our thoughts, our reasonings, our imaginings, our inclinations, our wishes, our plans. Unto Jesus and not at the world and its customs, its examples, its rules, its judgments. Unto Jesus and not at Satan, though he seek to terrify us by his fury or in, to entice us by his flatteries, Oh, from how many useless questions we would save ourselves, from how many disturbing scruples, from how much loss of time, dangerous dallyings with evil, waste of energy, empty dreams, bitter disappointments, sorrowful struggles, distressing falls, by looking steadily unto Jesus and by following wherever he may lead us. Then we shall be so much occupied with not losing sight of the path which he marks out for us to even waste a glance on those in which he does not think it suitable to lead us. Unto Jesus, and not at his enemies or at our own, in place of hating them and fearing them, we shall then know how to love them and to overcome them. Unto Jesus, and not at the obstacles which meet us in our path. As soon as we stop to consider them, they amaze us, they confuse us, they overwhelm us, incapable as we are of understanding either the reason why they are permitted or the means by which we may overcome them. Peter began to sink as soon as he turned to look at the waves tossed by the storm. It was while he was looking at Jesus that he walked on the waters as on a rock. The more difficult our task, the more terrifying our temptations, the more essential it is that we look only at Jesus. Unto Jesus and not at our troubles. To count up their number and reckon their weight. To find perhaps a certain strange satisfaction in tasting their bitterness. Apart from Jesus, trouble does not sanctify it hardens or crushes. It produces not patience, but rebellion. Not sympathy, but selfishness. Not hope, but despair. Looking unto Jesus and not at our troubles, it is only under the shadow of the cross that we can appreciate the true weight of our own cross of self-denial and accept it each day from his hand, to carry it with love and gratitude, with joy, and find in it for ourselves and for others a source of blessing. Looking unto Jesus, and not unto the dearest, the most legitimate of our earthly joys, unless we be so taken up in them that they deprive us of the sight of the very one who gives them to us. Looking unto Jesus, and not at our own strength. Our strength is good only to glorify ourselves. To glorify God, one must have the strength of God. Looking unto Jesus and not at weakness. By lamenting our weaknesses, we have ever be 
have we ever become more strong? Let us look to Jesus and his strength will communicate itself to our hearts. His praise will break forth from our lips. Looking unto Jesus and not at our sin, neither at the source from which they come, nor the chastisement which they deserve. Let us look at ourselves only to recognize how much we need, we need have of looking to him. Let us look at ourselves only to recognize how much need we have of looking to him. And looking to him certainly not as if we were sinless, but on the contrary, because we are sinners, measuring the very greatness of the offense by the greatness of the sacrifice which has atoned for it and of the grace which pardons it. Look at yourselves, but only in the presence of the cross, only through Jesus Christ. Looking at the sin only gives death. Looking at Jesus gives life. Let us look unto Jesus and not at our defeats or our victories. If we look at our defeats, we'll be cast down. If we look at our victories, we'll be puffed up. And neither will help us fight the good fight of faith. Like all our blessings, the victory with the faith which wins it is the gift of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And to him is all the glory. Look unto Jesus as long as we remain on the earth. Unto Jesus from moment to moment without allowing ourselves to be distracted by memories of a past which we should leave behind us, nor by occupation with a future of which we know nothing. Unto Jesus now, if we have never looked unto him. Unto Jesus afresh, if we have ceased doing so. Unto Jesus only. Unto Jesus still, and unto Jesus always, with a gaze more and more constant and more and more confident, changed into the same image from glory to glory, and in this way endure to the end. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you for this sweet meditation on you, the place where all our help comes from. Thank you that we have tasted and seen that our Lord is good. Thank you that we are on the side of good and not evil. Thank you that you are our helper, our keeper. You steady us and preserve us. You watch over us, and you are faithful throughout all of eternity for such things as these. May we live unto Jesus, look unto Jesus, and go after him, and cling to him, and rest on him, never indifferent, never complacent, never um, wavering, not forgetful, not weary with the journey. We know, oh, Heavenly Father, that you are faithful to save to the uttermost all who will look unto you and be saved. I thank you, Lord, and pray 
and commit these thoughts and meditations into the hearts of these who are hearing that you might bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is delivered live and streamed daily weekdays at 8.15 a.m. and weekends at 9.15 a.m. Join us at live.ellersley.com. We invite you to visit us at the beautiful Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day, a week, or an entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at ellersley.com. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.